You're listening to the Q's Podcast, episode 112. Hello, Q's Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Q's Podcast. My name is James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager, your host and editor of the show. As many of you know, we use a special delivery channel to speak with credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. Right now, we are in the middle of a three-part podcast episode series devoted to bringing you an economic outlook to help you better understand the very dynamic market that we are in. You most likely have just listened to episode 111, where we brought in CUNA Mutual Group's Director and Chief Economist, Steve Rick, Today's guest is Brian Yu. Brian Yu is from the Vancouver, BC area. He is the chief economist at Central One. Central One supports financial, digital banking and payments products and services fueling the success of business across Canada. Central One leverages their scale, strength, and expertise to power progress for more than 250 credit unions and other financial institutions, enhancing the financial well-being of more than 5 million customers from coast to coast. Brian Yu leads a team covering Canadian macro and regional economic conditions, financial markets, housing market activity, and credit union system analysis. Through his engaging economic reports, Brian has become Central One's local celebrity, with work featured by various media outlets including The Globe and Mail, BNN, Bloomberg, and BC Business. So we're very excited to have Brian on the show. So let's go ahead and start. Here's my conversation with Brian Yu. And now I want to bring in Central One's Chief Economist, Brian Yu. Brian, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Now, we often start the show by asking our guests if they have a mantra or success quote to allow our listeners to get to know you a bit and to add some perspective. Brian, do you have a mantra or quote that you would be willing to share with our listeners? I would love to say it would be just threatening now, but <laughs> from, <laughs> from my uh, one of my favorite old shows. But um, you know, I, I think for me, uh, what drives me largely is if you work your hardest, things will work out as they should, and, and that's what drives me on a daily basis. That recognizing things change, but if you continue to try to do your best, things will just tend to work out regardless of how that may turn out. Hard work and ethics and a forward mindset always do one good. All right. Now, as we speak here during the middle and end of February 2021, there's both positive and negative news for the coming year. On the positive side, the vaccine is being distributed. The impact of the vaccine brings hope. It brings hope to individuals, to families. So many people have been impacted and it's been so devastating. We give so many thanks to all the healthcare workers for all that they have done and continue to do. But again, there is, is a sense of hope now with progression of the vaccine distribution. On the negative side, there are still so many unknowns. Today, we are going to focus on the economic outlook in 2021 and beyond. Perhaps the first place we could look is the four-letter word, jobs. Brian, wasn't it a little over a year ago that we had the lowest unemployment rate in the United States and Canada? Then the pandemic hit. In Canada, how high did the unemployment rate get in 2020? How high did it get? And where are we now in terms of the unemployment rate in Canada? And what are your projections for the Canadian labor market and for the remainder of 2021 and then heading into next year? 
Yeah, you know, I think a year ago feels like a very long time ago. It feels almost like a almost a lifetime ago at this point. <laughs> Things have changed, obviously. Uh, when we were sitting where about February of last year, Canada, we were sitting roughly about a just under six percent unemployment rate. In the U.S., it was about three and a half percent. They're not comparable, just due to definitions. But you know, the general trends was that they were very low in both countries. And in Canada, here we we shot up from that into April about fourteen percent. Uh, unemployment rate. So, you know, massive job losses, just like in the US, where we did see a similar increases in uh, overall unemployment rates. And now, of course, uh, since this uh, pandemic has kind of unfolded, we've seen a lot of these businesses adapt to the new environment. We've seen some of those economic restrictions end over a period of time. But we're still a very, very high unemployment rate in Canada. We're at, at about nine and a half percent still. In the US, just under seven percent. So, a very much a different world than where we were sitting at uh, a year ago. Some areas or some sectors have recovered quite nicely, but other ones continue to be decimated by the pandemic. And that will continue, I think, as we sort of move forward through 2021, although getting better. I think that the overall trend is going to be positive for the unemployment rate, really dependent upon how quickly we get vaccines deployed. And, and of course, there's, a, there's an ongoing risk here that the second wave may not be the last wave as we move through the pandemic, be another interruption. Right. Consumer spending, of course, has taken a hit. We've also got predictions of evictions, foreclosures, personal bankruptcies. To counter the economic downturn and provide relief for impacted households and businesses, governments across the world, including the U.S. and Canada, have enacted record amounts of stimulus. What kind of impact did these measures take? What do you see happening next? Yeah, governments around the world have, have relatively quickly in early 2020 to recognizing that the measures that they would be implementing would have severe impact on the labor market. We've seen about what, over $14 trillion globally being spent by various governments across the globe. Um, in Canada, you know, I think we moved pretty quick. We had seen the implementation of the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit, which was uh, largely providing funds for households who were negatively impacted by the pandemic and, and lost jobs, about $500 per week, so a, a significant amount. We also, of course, seen the wage subsidy programs in Canada as well. So employers who lost substantial amounts of business were able to tap the subsidy in order to keep uh, individuals employed. Um, all in all, adding that to tax deferrals, mortgage deferrals, you know, we have a roughly about a $380 billion deficit coming out of this in Canada. Um, and this is going to be, um, you know, something that we'll, the governments will be working with in the, in the near future. But we're also, of course, recognizing that without these measures, we could be in a much worse state at this point. We'd have a pandemic, plus we'd have a lot of individuals without income, and that would have led to more foreclosures, bankruptcies, etc. So I, I think when we're looking at the, the impact on the bankruptcy side, it really hasn't hit Canada very much. We're, we're seeing very low delinquencies, very low loan losses as a result of a lot of these measures in place that have helped to bridge households through the pandemic. Well, that's good news there in Canada. What will it take to get back to the very low unemployment rates Canada had before the pandemic? Uh, I'll say it's um, time, number one, uh, mm -hmm. but also employment of the vaccine will, in fact, provide a huge boost for Canada. Uh, one of the big differences, I think, between the U.S. and Canada right now is that rate of deployment. Canada is only about 3% of our population has been vaccinated, much higher in the U.S. Yeah, and that's really a reflection partly of the countries which are making the vaccines. The U.S. and the U.K., of course, are producers, so they are able to deploy much quicker. Canada, of course, we're waiting for, for supplies for the Canadian population. But as those vaccines do roll out, I, I do expect to see that we'll finally be able to reopen some of our borders more towards tourism. 
people will be more willing to go into the uh, into more restaurants um, and really moving back that service oriented economy back to full capacity. So that's my hope at this point. And I think that's going to be driving uh, our uh, our move back to a pre pandemic type of levels uh, within the next two years, I, I would think there is still going to be a lot of challenges, I think, uh, going forward. I'm also the view that, you know, things aren't going to be the same, even past the pandemic. I think it goes back to normal. We've seen some huge shifts in the economy, people working from home, and, and some of that's going to be maintained. And that's going to, of course, also, I think, create some more job opportunities and more uh, shifting of, of um, work to rural areas, suburban areas of, of the market as well. What is it like right now? We're at the middle and end of February as we speak in terms of getting across the border. How challenging is that? Canada has implemented some new measures with the new variants that are taking place. Obviously now, you know, inflows will need to quarantine in a hotel in Canada now if you're internationally coming through a flight. So that is, of course, a difference in terms of the uh, of where we are. So a much thicker border than, than previously. Uh, we're also expecting to see a thicker borders in terms of uh, vehicle travel as well. So before we get back to normal on that end, uh, we do need to see some cured immunity coming in place through the vaccine. And that's going to take into easily September of this year when we're looking at when close to full vaccinations will probably take place in Canada. But we kind of focus now on, on credit unions here. It's been a crazy time, obviously, for credit unions for all organizations. We've had the pandemic, the social unrest, and an uncertain economy were hallmarks of 2020. Uh, what things have you seen credit unions do that have served them well in responding to last year's big issues? I think that ingrained within the credit unions is a thinking local uh, idea and member centricity. You know, it's been key, I think, to understanding the challenges of the pandemic. Uh, we know that it's been uneven for individuals and uh, different groups of individuals. Some sectors have done well. Others have taken a, a much sharper hit in terms of employment. So understanding that it's a localized factor, understanding your, your members, I think, has helped credit unions a lot. That has enabled them to ensure that, you know, they're, they're mitigating their risks, recognizing which of their members may need a little more help as well. So I, I do think that the local aspect has been very important in the uh uh, during a pandemic. The second one, I think, is more for, you know, it's a broader is that credit unions have, I think, shifted more towards a digital uh, over the past year, like every other business, it seems. And, and that, of course, that, that ability to pivot has helped credit unions stay top of mind, I think, for their members. Good thoughts there. What are some trends you are seeing as we move into 2021 that credit unions might want to watch and respond to? Well, there are a couple of things. I, I think that number one, uh, this recovery in itself, um, it, it's unlike others that we've seen in the past, obviously, given it's a health crisis. And it could actually be faster than expected if the vaccines roll out quicker or, or as hope. I think also we'll see that the U.S. economy will start to rebound quickly. And we are potentially at risk of overheating as well, uh, given some of the fiscal measures that are are expected to take place, adding to that the low interest rate environment that we are currently involved in. So we could see some inflationary pressures rise, of course, driving some higher end or some longer term yields in the market. And that will help to, I think, boost the margins for credit unions. So there might be some positive surprises on that end. And for Canada, that will largely spill over. Although Canada, we have a little bit of a, 
a tougher road given the vaccine situation. The other one for credit unions, again, this is that that digital trends have been accelerated and they're not going to be turning back in, in our view. Um, consumers are now more accustomed to doing so much online that, that credit unions will need to spend more, invest more, both energy and monies into digital offerings and than they previously thought. So again, looking at that, that digital landscape and saying, well, how much money do we need to spend? How much capital do we need to deploy to ensure there's a great customer or member experience going forward? Brian, if listeners want to connect with you and your organization, what is the best way for them to connect? Uh, sure, they can uh, visit our website at www.central1.com or they can even email me directly at byu at central1.com as well. Thank you, Brian, for sharing your insights and perspectives today. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Brian Yu for serving as guest for this episode and also Steve Rick for serving as guest on the previous podcast, episode 111. Our three-part series concludes with our next episode featuring Dan Berger, the president and CEO of NAFQ. He'll also provide his views and perspectives on the economic climate. So looking forward to that. In the meantime, I wanted to encourage you to visit a couple of our links to find out more about some of our new and exciting programs. For more information on our new Q's High Performing Board digital series, where there's one fee for your entire board, your board liaison, and your CEO, check out this new exciting two-year program. It starts soon, so please check out cues.org slash HPB. You might also be interested in learning more about our new digital marketing options and opportunities. You can do so by enrolling in the All Online Strategy and Digital Marketing Cornell Certificate Program that Cues is offering starting in April 21st. Learn more at cues.org slash eCornell hyphen marketing. If you're a Q's member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Visit Q's.org slash membership to learn more. Q's is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, executives, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Q's can help you realize your potential, visit Q's.org today.